During Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC clearance event, save up to 20% on new models like the 2023 Buick Encore GX or GMC Sierra 1500. View their huge inventory at robertbrogdon.com and find your perfect match. Get on the road. It's time to go across the country two minutes at a time for the biggest stories of the day where they're happening. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Indianapolis, Indiana. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Cleveland, Ohio. Austin, Mass. Miami, Florida. It's the two-minute drill on the program. Second half of the program begins right now. We head around the country two minutes at a time talking to the people covering the stories where they are happening. It's uh, brought to you uh, by our friends at the University of Kansas Health System. You can walk right in right now. They've got a walk-in clinic available uh, to you right now. Uh, they're open uh, Monday through Friday, weekdays 8 to 7. Saturdays, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can be seen without an appointment right now if you suffer an orthopedic injury in everyday life or playing sports. They have orthopedic walk-in care available, like I said, right now at 435 and all, 8 to 2, uh, Monday through Friday. Saturdays, it is uh, 8 a.m., or excuse me, 8 to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday. Let me be clear, 8 to 7, so you can go right now. Uh, or Saturdays, 8 to 2. I, uh, I, I, I confused you. And for that, I apologize. Uh, learn more at KansasHealthSystem.com slash orthopedics. Let's get things started. We begin in San Francisco, California. Roxy Bernstein is there. He bats leadoff today, 95.7 The Game, ESPN, ESPN Radio, Pac-12 Network. I don't know, half a dozen other folks. Roxy, how are you, sir? Uh, breathing a sigh of relief, I think, like the rest of the 49er fans after Saturday night. Did you? Uh, did the 49ers win it or did the Packers blow it? Oh, I think the Niners won it. Um, and Brock Purdy, who was awful for about three and a half quarters, he was just off. All the passes were just uh, not the timing wasn't there. And I think Debo Samuel getting injured early in the game certainly hurt. But when he needed to make plays and that last drive, he put together a fantastic drive. And the only incompletion was a drop by George Kittle. So I think the 49ers, the defense played well, made enough plays. Um, you know, both teams missed on a field goal. The Niners had one blocked. But when it was time to make plays at the end, Brock Purdy rose to the occasion and led him down the field for that winning touchdown. And so I, you got to give him credit despite the struggles that they had in that game against the Packers. Yeah, no, they, they got it done when it mattered. All that matters is to survive in advance, and they did that. Uh, they did it without Debo Samuel for the most part. What's his status? So they're not going to know until later in the week. They have ruled out there is no fracture in the shoulder, but he is still in a decent amount of pain. So as the week goes on, the 49ers will have a better understanding on his availability for Sunday. Um, And if they don't have him, obviously, it's a significant blow, and it changes, I think, the dynamic for them. As Juwan Jennings stepped up and made some big plays, Conley had a catch yesterday. It could alter the way they do some things. But it was clear, it was pretty evident, Seren, that he was going to be featured in the game plan. And they had to significantly alter what they were doing when he was lost for the game early. And I think it took him a while to regroup. And it puts a lot more in the plate, obviously, of Brandon Ayuk on the other side. But the 49ers, as this week progresses, will have a better understanding if Debo Samuel will be available in the NFC Championship. He didn't pucker the way Jordan Love did down the stretch, but Brock Purdy missed some throws. What's the reaction to how he played? I think because of him leading that last drive, it put people at ease. I think there was a lot of nervousness and uneasiness if the 49ers had lost that game because Purdy was awful. And it was un-Brock Purdy-like who's been so consistent and so good 
for them. And luckily for the 49ers, the Packers dropped a couple of interceptions. But he led that drive down the field when they needed to score at the end. And I don't know if it was the weather, Seren, and the not having Debo Samuel, but he was just off. And you saw him struggling uh, to get a grip on the football because of the weather. The weather is supposed to be a lot better. It's supposed to be clear for the game on Sunday, which should be a big help for Brock Purdy and the 49ers. All right, uh, six and a half. Detroit getting six and a half. Do the odds makers have it right? I think it's right, and it's going to be obviously a challenge with Jared Goff coming home and grew up a big 49er and Joe Montana fan. So that's going to play into one of the storylines for this week. But I also think that the 49ers defense got better as the game went on. And there's that old argument, rust versus rest, and I think early on the Niners were rusty. And, for example, Eric Armstead played more snaps than I think the 49ers anticipated, and he played well. They didn't generate a great pass rush, and they couldn't get to Jordan Love, which I think was a problem. And it's going to be, I think, even tougher this week considering how the Lions' offensive line has been. That's going to be a big key for the 49ers. Can Bosa, can uh, Young, can Gregory, who's been in there, Hargrave, can they get to the quarterback? And I think that's going to be a significant presence in the game on Sunday. All right, uh, tell me, uh, tragic uh, occurrence there with the Golden State Warriors. Dion uh, Milovic? How do, how do I say his name? Uh, I apologize. I'm butchering it, I'm sure. Uh, but losing their assistant coach, uh, 48 years old, has a heart attack. This team already struggling in 12th place in the West. I mean, where is their head as they get ready to go back to work? It's been a really tough, tough week. And Steve Kerr and the Warriors talked to the media today. They practiced for the first time since. They had a couple of games postponed against the Jazz and the Mavericks. They're going to play Atlanta home on Wednesday. But it's a team right now that is reeling. And it is, as Steve Kerr alluded to, it's the hardest thing he's ever gone through in the NBA. And I think what made it even worse for them was the fact that they were all together when it happened. When he had the heart attack at a restaurant in Salt Lake City, um, and then tragically passed away the next day and the effect has been devastating for the organization and and Steve Kerr talked about it and he's like there's no way we could have played there's no way we could have gone back to to playing basketball with what we were going through and I, I think that they've had some time to grieve I think now coming together has helped everybody, and they can lean on one another, but it really has been an awful, awful time around this organization. There's just no other way to put it, and we'll see what we get. I mean, I don't know mentally where this team is going to be at after the tragedy that they went through, but they're going to resume play Wednesday night, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, great stuff. Roxy Bernstein in the Bay Area. Really appreciate it, buddy. Have yourself a great week. Talk to you soon, sir, and take care. Mark Harmon, CHGO Sports in Chicago, Illinois, is next. Mark, how are you, sir? Seren, I am excellent. Good to hear you, my friend. Uh, good to talk to you. And as our tennis insider, we start with the Australian Open. Uh, every year I like the Australian Open more and more. I like having uh, late-night uh, entertainment as a, a bit of a night owl. Uh, tell me, who do you like in both the men's and women's when it's all said and done? Well, let's, let's stick with the chalk here, Serena. You know, Carlos Alcaraz is looking phenomenal. I know Novak is rolling strong here, too, but... Uh, uh, you know, listen, Alcaraz is, is 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 the next thing, and I think he starts the year off right. And 
And look, uh, every time I see Coco Golf pop up on my NFL Sundays or Saturdays with its solid New Balance commercial, I think this is the year for her to kick off with a Grand Slam, so why not? Let's go with Coco. Let's go with Carlos. And uh, it's been a great tournament. I think someday me and you should go to the Australian for the matter. Uh, I agree. I, I, I'm in. Uh, I would love to go down and, and check that thing out. I think it would be awesome. Um, all right, uh, Matt Eberflus still has a job. Why? Well, he's got a job because him and Ryan Poles are fast friends, apparently, and Poles likes the way he kept the locker room together despite the 0-4 start and despite the fact he had to fire the defensive coordinator and despite the fact that they fired the running fast coach in the middle of the year and then the OC afterwards. I mean, it's like last man standing here with the flus on the staff. But, uh, the, you know, the players stood behind him, Seren, uh, for forever that's worth, you know. Um it's, it's kind of confusing when you've got guys like Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh out there and you've got the number one pick and a chance to really reset the franchise. But that's what they did, and a lot of it has to do with how he kept the locker room together. All right. Uh, what are they going to do with that number one pick? Are they going to take a quarterback, or are they still not sure about well, Justin Fields three years into it? I mean, another every day goes by, and another Bears player tweets about keeping Justin Fields and that Justin can do what Lamar Jackson does. There's a very weird thing going on in Chicago, how people think they're the same player despite the fact that Lamar won an MVP unanimously in his second year in the league and Justin's never touched that. So I suppose it's up in the air a little bit, but I, you know, there does seem to be a solid momentum, at least in Bears fans' belief right now, that Caleb is going to be the choice. So uh, that's my prediction, but I, I don't feel completely comfortable in it. Coordinators are out. Are there some dream names that uh, people want to see hired as the OCs and D- as the OC and DC? So Shane Waldron and uh, was you know getting the Tom Palacero report this morning uh, that he's going to be the offensive coordinator. That's the first guy that they talked to. They talked to eight hundred people or nine, you know, or they, and they tried to get a tenth interview. So this was their first choice. That's, um, I, you know, look, three years of calling plays is three more than Luke Getzey had when he when he got the job. So that seems like an improvement. And uh, former Bear Chris Harris, who was on the last time the Bears went to the Super Bowl, Bears, he interviewed, is going to interview for the D.C. position. And there's a lot of, you know, hey, he's had a couple of interviews to be a defensive coordinator, didn't get him. There's a nice story for that, you know, coming back from Lovey's teams and Lovey's defense and pairing up with Matt Eberfuss. So hopefully we'll continue to call plays that defense because that is one thing that he did do well here, so I hope he doesn't give that up. That's what it's all about when trying to win a championship. Make sure you've got nice stories to tell. Uh, we'll, we'll see if this works out. Mark Carmen in Chicago. Great stuff as always, buddy. We appreciate it. Have a great week, my friend. You too, sir. And you're the best. ESPN Milwaukee in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Brian, how are you, sir? I am doing well. I, uh, I bet you guys are uh, doing pretty well uh, after a big victory last night in Buffalo, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, not, we're, we're not feeling too bad. We, we like it. <laughs> uh, tough challenge, of course, with Baltimore. But, uh, you know, it's what we do here in Kansas City as we play in conference championship games, six straight. The Packers looked like they were added to their first one, first one in at least, uh, what, a couple of years, uh, first one with Jordan Love uh, at the helm. And to me, they leaned at the tape. Like, uh, you know, we talked to Roxy in San Francisco, and he said, oh, no, no, it's about the Niners, not about the Packers. I don't know. How much do uh, Packer fans think that they kind of maybe threw that one away? 
Yeah, I definitely think that's the narrative, right? And it, it's it's one of those situations, Sarim, where things swung so quickly for the Packers this season, going from this is a lost season, we can't pay Jordan Love to oh, my God, we've got a lead on the number one seed on Divisional Weekend in a game we should win, right? And you can set the bar and the goalpost one place and then move it when it clearly needs to be moved. And that's what happened. The Packers should have won that football game in Santa Clara the other night. They feel as though they let one get away. Now, it's it's hard to blame them too terribly much because they're still such a young team and outperformed expectations so much this year. And there's so much positivity from the the last 10 weeks of football out of Jordan Love. Uh, but I just think the stage in the moment got too big for a very young football team in the fourth quarter, and it cost them the chance to go to Detroit this weekend and uh, take on a team in a place that they had won. So I think that's, that's the gut-wrenching part is Packers fans felt as though they had a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. And if those words would have come out of my mouth two months ago, you, I would have you know, called myself crazy. Down the stretch, Jordan Love was playing very well, take away a couple of uh, high throws that uh, certainly cost him one with an intercept, a couple of interceptions uh, in that game. Uh, but he played very well, clearly going to get a contract offer, I assume. Do we have any ideas what those numbers are going to look like? And is there any way it doesn't, doesn't actually go that way? that they don't offer him a contract. Well, I, I, as you know, quarterbacks get paid when they get paid, right? And if if I'm Jordan Love's agent, I think I'm waiting on Tua's deal to get done first, right? And, and, and trying to base it off of what Tua gets because Tua has been successful for a longer period of time. But, I mean, if, if I had to pick between the two of them, no pun intended, I would pick Jordan Love right now. Um, so I, I think earlier in the year, a lot of the talk was if you're going to extend him, base it around the Daniel Jones deal which I think was four for 160. I think you're probably higher than that right now. And, uh, you know, trying to, to get in that 40 to $45 million a year ballpark. But um, I think Jordan Love's agent would be wise to be prudent and wait for uh, wait for Tua's deal to come out and try and base it around that. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be a fun offseason, I think, for Packer fans. A uh, lot to like uh, about what's going on there with the uh, Green Bay Packers. Um, all right. Uh, tell me, how good is Marquette? They were top five early in the year. They're around 15 now. And Wisconsin, uh, certainly uh, at the top of the Big Ten standings. How good are the uh, the two local squads? Yeah, so uh, Marquette was, was the team coming into the season that was expected to be really, really good, right? Uh, and they still are. Obviously, I think they moved up to 14th in the AP poll today. They're one of those teams that has a, a top 40 adjusted offensive efficiency offense and a top 20 defense. And generally speaking, those are the teams that have a chance to win a national championship. Wisconsin is the surprise to him because they're normally uh, horrifically inefficient on the offensive side of the floor. They're painful to watch. They're slow. Uh, they don't shoot threes very well. And they're a top five efficient offense in the country right now. So it's just a great time for college basketball in our state. Both of those teams could beat anybody on any given night, as we've seen Wisconsin beat Marquette. And Marquette beat a number one team in the country in Kansas, the Maui Invitational. They could also lose to any team in the country on any given night. And I think that that probably bodes well for an exciting month of March for both schools. Uh, is this where the Bucks are going to sit? They've seemingly been in second place behind the Celtics the whole way. Is that how you expect the rest of the season to go? Yeah, they just, you know, they're going to beat teams that they should beat, uh, but I think they're going to lose to teams that they should lose to, if that makes sense. They're just not good 
on the defensive side of the floor. They're a bad defensive basketball team, and I'm not sure how you fix that because Adrian Griffin just seems lost in terms of trying to coach this squad up. So hopefully they can figure something out with that first-year head coach and they don't have to make a change mid-season at head coach. I know it sounds crazy for a team that's flirting with the top of the Eastern Conference, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, they need to get drastically better defensively. I don't know if it's a trade to bring in uh, another athletic win, wing that can be up. I heard P.J. Tucker rumors trying to bring him back. He's he's a beloved figure in the city of Milwaukee after helping lead that team to a championship in 2021. But they either need a big-time personnel addition like that to help defensively, or they need, need to scrap whatever they're doing on that side of the floor because when push comes to shove and they have to play great teams uh, in April and May, what they're doing on defense right now is just not going to get them through. Brian D. in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Great stuff as always, buddy. We appreciate it. Have yourself a great week. Always. You do the same. Thanks. Pete Fox, KLOS in Los Angeles, California, is next. Pete, how are you, sir? Yeah, doing good, man. Um, tell me, uh, what, what do we think of uh, how the Rams' season ended? Uh, they got it rolling late and gave the Lions everything they could possibly handle. Uh, you know Sean McVay is going to stay. Is the uh, future bright, or is this the end of a, a window that's uh, maybe going to close soon? It's closing, but at the same time, they have some young talent like Puka Nakua, so you have to feel pretty good about that. Uh, I personally couldn't get past the fact that, that Jared Goff beat them. I mean, that to me was irony at its finest, and I'm sure it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't the only one that noticed that. But uh, that to me was the biggest part of this because I said all along I didn't think that uh, Stafford was that much better than Jared Goff. Now, granted, he did win them a Super Bowl, so a lot of people like to throw that on my face and say that Jared Goff never could have done that. But who knows? You know, the fact of the matter is that when it was all said and done, they went on a nice run at the end of the season and got to the playoffs. And as you said, uh, gave the Lions a real run for their money. So ultimately, it, you know, was, a, it was a, a pretty good, successful season. You know, they didn't win in the playoffs, but nobody thought they were going to really get there midway through the season prior to that that streak at the end of the season of reeling off six or seven consecutive wins. So the future is, I don't want to say it's, it's terribly bright, but, you know, they're still dealing with all the stuff that they sacrificed to win that Super Bowl, as we've talked about multiple times. So I feel like, uh, you know, they do have a possibility of, of continuing from where they are right now and continuing to improve. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll watch and see what they get done in this uh, off offseason. Um, uh, tell me, the uh, is Raheem Morris going to be back, or do you expect him to get a head coaching job? That is hard. You know, <laughs> there's just so many openings and so many rumors flying around as to who's up for these jobs. Obviously, he's a name uh, because of his past head coaching experience that is out there that's in the mix for, for sure. So it's hard to say, you know, anything's possible with so many openings and so many. It's not just head coaching openings. It's OC openings as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, not that he would be up for that. But, you know, there's a lot of coordinator positions open as well. So uh, there's just a lot of wheels turning, and uh, he's definitely in the mix. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll see where that goes uh, from there. Tell me, what's wrong with USC and UCLA? Why are they crashing so hard, both of them with losing records? Uh, that's not where they're supposed to be talent-wise. What's what's the reaction from their fan bases? Coaching problem? Recruiting problem? How are they bottoming out so fast? Wow, that's an interesting question. I've wondered that a lot. Uh, I, I think it's, it's probably a lot about recruiting. I think a lot of it has to do with the transfer window because you cannot – build a team. These guys are 
coming for one season and then looking for the next best thing is hitting the road, you know. So where, where can they make more money? And I think that's not just affecting USC. It's affecting all of college football across the board. But, uh, you know, the, the, the main problem just from an X's and O's standpoint with USC has been their defense. Their offense has been fairly efficient, but they haven't been able to stop anybody. So they address that by getting a new defensive coordinator. Uh, so hopefully that will help with them. As far as UCLA, uh, that's, that's a really good question as well. I would assume that when it comes to a recruiting situation, if you if you are deciding between USC and UCLA, more than likely a lot of people are going to go uh, the way of USC over UCLA just because they have more of a legacy program there. But uh, UCLA has been competitive recent in recent years and have just fallen off. So uh, if I had the answer to that, I'd probably be uh, getting paid a whole lot more than I am. So I, I, I don't really know, but there's probably a lot of different things to play and why these two programs are not better. Sitting at 500 and the nine seed right now in the West, does anybody realistically think the Lakers are legitimate title contenders? I wouldn't say title contenders, but everyone thinks they're, they can do what they did last year again. They've replicated the starting lineup from the playoff run last year, and people are feeling like this is just a team that needs to get in. That's all they need to do. They don't need to be the four seed. Uh, they just need to get into the game, you know, get to the table and throw their money down. When you've got guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, uh, that anything's possible. So I, I, I look at them and go, I feel like they should be better, but at the same time, I don't know that they need to be. It's kind of like they just keep their head above water, right? And and as long as they're not out of playoff contention, they have a legitimate shot at making a run and getting to the Western Conference Finals and maybe long shot to the championship. But who knows? I mean, we look at the West and we say, are the Minnesota Timberwolves really that good? I mean, they're a heck of a defensive basketball team. But how long is that going to last and how well will that – hold up in a seven-game series against a team that can outscore them. So uh, I've been paying a little bit more attention to the Clippers lately, and when they played Minnesota, Minnesota stopped them by playing solid defense. Clippers obviously can score the basketball, and they're a very good basketball team defensively as well, and they're very deep and so forth and so on. So I look at Minnesota, and they're, they're good, but I don't know how good and how long they can keep it up. So it's very interesting in the West right now because it's fairly wide open. You, you mentioned the Clippers. They've now won 10 of their last 12. Uh, tell me, is is it finally now the chemistry coming together with the, with the big three? really is amazing right now. It's remarkable, and it all has to do, you're not going to believe this, but it all has to do with James Harden, because he and Russell Westbrook have bought into the system that they're running there. Russell Westbrook is coming off the bench and happy to do it. He comes onto the floor with a ton of energy every single time he plays. No bad attitude. He plays defense. He he scores when he needs to. Uh, You know, he just does everything. It's really remarkable. Uh, Dishing assists to the other guys, and then having James Harden at the point has freed up Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to score, and they're doing it remarkably well. Then you got Terrence Mann, who's the fifth starter basically, and he, you know, he scores ten to twelve almost every night, kind of unheralded. And then uh, even with uh, Zubats getting hurt, they've got two other big men who fill in for him, and then they've been playing a small lineup like they did last night in a come from behind win over the Nets. 
So uh, this team is 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 got a lot of upside, a lot of potential. Uh, you know, obviously two very high paid talent in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that can really get it done. And James Harden has really he's the guy that's kind of brought it all together. Uh, excuse me, brought it all together. Broughten is not a word, boys and girls. Um, he's the guy that's kind of helped the team gel, and it's been really remarkable since that shaky start where they lost six in a row to get it going. Now they're the best team in the NBA since December first. So uh, the future is very exciting for them for sure. Pete Fox, you've always brought it with us, and we appreciate that, my friend. You're the best. Have yourself a great week, my friend. Thanks, you too. All right, the good sense. End of the hour answer. Chiefs' eighth team to average at least 7.7 yards per play in a road playoff game. Who was the last to do it before them? Uh, the Chiefs. That's how you can operate. Nope. You got to go all the way back, way back, way way back to the Green Bay Packers at Dallas last Sunday. Oh wow! Team to do it before them. Uh, then you go way way back. The, the Green Bay Packers of 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 uh, Vince Lombardi. You go way back to the Rams at Detroit the day before. In all of history, it had happened five times. It has happened three times in the last eight days. And what was so the answer was the Packers? Last week? The Packers last Sunday at Dallas. Wow. Rams did it in a losing cause at Detroit the day before. And I noticed I looked through all those games just because this is the kind of thing I'll do on a Sunday night a, to factor yeah. in the kneel downs. Um, some of those games, there were no kneel downs, but the team that averaged 7.7 or more. There were some that were. And factoring it in, the Chiefs had four last night. One at the end of the first half, three at the end of the game. If you take those away, the Chiefs averaged 8.4 yards per play. Okay. The most ever. Um, a little uh, Good Sense we were playing for, GoodSenseSubs.com. You can order it uh, right now. Did you know that Good Sense has a whole new approach if you were on the keto? Hmm. How about that? Like uh, they have been known for their signature bread. Of course, the best-smelling thing when you walk in, you can smell that bread that's been baking fresh two, three times a day. They do it, but they also are uh, adding some items for those counting calories, keto or carb-conscious. The new meatball side featuring the founder's famous signature meatballs and marinara sauce and topped with Parmesan cheese, all for only $5. Make it extra cheesy with additional provolone if you would like. It's a uh, hearty, delicious, wonderful meal that will help you stay on your keto or low-carb carb diet it's at good sense good food that makes good sense uh good sense goodsensesubs.com if you want to check it out tonight on your way home you can put the order in right now we uh put an order in for a uh, Todd Lebo he joins us here right now on Sports Radio 810 WHB your home of championship football, AFC and NFC championship yes. games right here. We are your home of the AFC championship game here, your Kansas City Chiefs right here on 810. Todd, how are you, sir? I'm a, I'm a big order of meatballs with extra provolone. That's what I am right now. I don't know. I just, I just went to another Jackson County legislature meeting. That's two in a year, buddy. I know. Resolution. I must go to more... Jackson County Legislature meeting. We turn to our yeah, government insider as uh, the Chiefs <laughs> are celebrating. Government insider. Yeah, celebrating going to their sixth consecutive conference championship game. They uh, they also are trying to get some business done when it comes to what their home is going to look like, at least their home stadium. Uh, the vote, they've overridden the veto, 7-2. to two. So uh, yes. it will go on the ballot, correct? Yeah, quick recap. Two weeks ago, they the legislature had a vote. 
eight to one to put it on the ballot. County Executive Frank White, uh, Royals Hall of Famer, eight-time Gold Glove winner. We all know who Frank is. He's the county executive now. Vetoed it. The the legislature then had to get at least six votes to to override the veto. Last Friday, three legislatures pinned uh, a, a letter saying they would veto, and then another one said he would as well. So it looked pretty dire for a second. But then came time to actually do their vote today. It was seven to two to override the veto and let the people vote on this on April 2nd. There's still a little bit of work to do to get all the stuff done because it's a special election, but things are well on their way to get to get that done. So Brooke Sherman, the president of the Royals, was down there today. Mark Donovan, the president of the Chiefs, was there today. Um, a sort of, you know, union members and labor leaders and people like that were down there. And uh, there was public discussion, a little, not public, excuse me, legislatures, legislators could talk a little bit. Megan Marshall who is one of the dissenters, she talked for a little while. That's the reason she said she didn't want this thing to go on the ballot yet. And uh, Jean Lauer, who is the chairman, she was the other no vote. So they talked a little bit. But in the end, when the vote came down at 7-2, to two, that's the way it works. It's going to go on the ballot. Afterwards, had a chance to uh, – Brooke Sherman didn't take questions, but he did tell us a little bit about the excitement level they have right now to get to this point, at least through this long process. Well, listen, we're, we're thrilled with the result today. Uh, we very much appreciate the Jackson County legislators um, agreeing to put this measure on the ballot for the Jackson County voters to decide April 2nd. We very much look forward to that. We'd also like to thank uh, Sean Foster and the Sports Authority for the work that they've done to get us to this point. Really, this is, um, this is step one of a long process for us. Uh, we very much look forward to our project. We think we have a great project for Jackson County, the city of Kansas City, and the region, for that matter. And we look forward to sharing those details with you very soon. Um, but again, there's a, a lot of work to do. Uh, but you can bet we're all ready to get after that work and get it done on behalf of the citizens of Jackson County. And again, very much look forward to it. Thank you all very much. Now, Serene, we still don't have the number one detail. Where do the Royals want to put this thing? Right. They did not. They have a, a letter of intent that's several pages long that was agreed to by the Royals Chiefs, the Jackson County Legislature, and the Jackson County Sports Complex Authority that I've read through. It still says in there we don't have an exact space. Now, I, my understanding, the Royals want, and you heard him say very soon, share some details. They want to pick this spot have some real renderings and details and all that well before the election. They don't want to roll out on April 1st and go, hey, look, it's going to be right here. Here's the picture. So they want to get out there. Now, hopefully that will be in February. I don't know if that's going to happen by, by January, but hopefully there will be plenty of time for people to look at these and discuss where it's going to be and all that because we still don't have the exact location of the stadium for the morning. Uh, by the way, Brooke Sherman, if people don't know, is the president of business operations for the Kansas City Royals, and he is really the point guy on the stadium for uh, for the Royals. Uh, is there any rumblings down there as to where it's going to be? Do we think it's you know the Star Building? You know what? what what's I the latest? I don't. I don't have a an educated guess on which one is preferred. I don't, and I, I don't think you know. We talked to Frank White afterwards. We'll play a soundbite from him. He he doesn't know either. You know, or or, or won't say that he knows which one. You know what I mean? Who knows when they talk in front of you what they what they tell you? But no, I don't. I don't have an inside track on that yet. I and I, if we had one, 
you know, today, it may be different tomorrow because this is, man, this has been a wild one. It's changing a lot as we go through. All right. And so this means that the Royals will build a downtown stadium somewhere and the Chiefs will renovate Arrowhead Stadium. Mark Donovan, you said, was there. I know you had a chance to talk with him. Yeah, they they want to renovate and expand. Uh, I guess the way we kind of heard Clark Hunt said, the Sink Lambeau, I know you were just up there. They've got a bigger footprint and a lot of things and Hall of Fame and stuff like that. I don't think they're thinking Sink Fox Pro where they had a strip mall and stuff. I don't think that's what their idea is. I think it's more of a game day thing for them and maybe a Hall of Fame. But Mark Donovan was down there. He's the president of the of the Chiefs on the business side of it. And I talked to him about kind of their thoughts on where they are right now. Yeah, it's a big step and a long process, but it's a very big step. Um, we've been pretty consistent all along that we felt like April 2nd was really important from a timing perspective so we could do this thoughtfully, so we could do it thoroughly. Um, and this is how you get on the ballot for April 2nd. So it's a process. We had to go through it, um, but we're happy with the vote today. We really appreciate all the support of all the legislators, of all the people working behind the scenes who made today happen, and uh, it's a good day for us. You guys have been working really hard on this for years, and then really, really hard for like two weeks, right? Because that's what deadlines do. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, And it's important to know that we have been working on it for quite a long time. During that entire time, we've been focused on being done in time, getting on the ballot in time, to let the voters decide. And that's really been our message. The voters should decide if this partnership of over 50 years makes sense to continue. I think some of the things that get sort of clouded in all the facts are, or in some of the noise that's out there are things that are just consistent. This is the existing deal that we're looking to extend. And if we can extend that and if the voters believe that's the right thing, this partnership can continue. And yes, we can talk about our success on the field, especially over the last decade, but I would say that there's equal amount of success off the field that have had true impact on this region, and we're proud of that, and that's important to us, and this gives us the chance to continue that. So that's Mark Donovan. You know, they're certainly excited right now. This has been a long process, Seren, and, and the Royals have been working on it longer than the Chiefs. I mean, we, we've heard that, it was, gosh, almost maybe three years ago, they went to the legislature the first time, and I don't think they knew that what they were getting into. I still don't understand how we get to January 22nd, and you're having these fights. These things should have been hammered out well before. But I, it's what negotiations are, right? We see this happen with contracts. We see it happen with any sort of deal that gets done. It's been, it's been tough to get to this point. And, and listen, just getting it on the ballot will be step one. They're, they're going to have to get a real lease. I, I don't think people will vote yes for this unless they see some real, real details on the lease. You know, I, they certainly want to know a place, and they want to see some some other details on this. Back before, when we went through this last time, the lease was signed and ready to go before long before the election. I think I think voters should know a lot of these things, and I think a lot of them would like to know a lot of a lot of the details. Yeah, uh, and, and we'll find out. When do you think we'll get those? I don't know, man. I mean, I think the Royals in the next few weeks are going to tell us the site. But I, I do. I listen. Here's the deal. Jackson County. One of the things they put the dissenters, Frank White and the dissenters, last Friday was they want assurances that the Royals and Chiefs will both keep their office. Get oh, here's your stadium, and then the Royal and the Chiefs just go over to you know K10 and Woodland and put their offices and practice fields. You know what I mean? Put in some cities. So there's some things like that. There's stuff that, that maybe is important to some people, not as important to others, like a community benefits agreement, uh, thing, things that will help benefit the community that is not, not as important to other folks. For me, the real thing is I want to make sure there's a cost certainty on the tax 
and a link. I want to make sure as a Jackson Countyan that the Royals and Chiefs are going to pay every single penny of overage. If they if something costs more to make, that's on them, not the taxpayer. I want that stuff written down. I would like that to be signed. You know what I mean? And um, I, obviously, we need to where it's, where it's going. Uh, you know, we talked about this last time. I can't believe Oklahoma City said yes to it. The idea of an arena somewhere. But they did. And I think we need to know a little bit more about this here. So here, let's play some Frank White. He's a Jackson County executive. He's been getting, you know, slings and arrows at him for a long time on this position because he played for the Royals. A lot of people feel like sour with the Royals. I do think that Frank is playing some hardline negotiating stuff. Maybe he's not doing it the style the Royals and Chiefs want or the public one. I don't know. But he said he's just doing what he's getting paid to do. Quite frankly, this is my job. You know, this is why I was elected. I was elected to. Uh, safeguard the uh, the taxpayer dollars, spend them wisely, and a project of this size, uh, over $2 billion project, my job is to gather as much information as I can from the teams, uh, whatever means that might be. The veto was a good way of stopping, and we've been, we've been able to get a few concessions, uh, like our insurance. Uh, we've been able to get our park levy. Uh, that's a promise. And also the demolition of the stadium. That's huge. That's over $20 million. But there's more to do. There's more to be done. And my job is is to assemble as much as I can in this lease agreement so that I can take it to the legislature. Uh, The legislature is a policy-making branch of government here. Uh, So I have to give it to them. They they make the choice of whether or not it goes uh, forward or not. Okay. So, it's gonna, so listen, they did their their battling back and forth. Now we'll still like some more detail. I think some people would as well. But listen, this is the way it works. The rules are: you can override a veto, you can veto, and you can get an over uh, veto overwritten, and that's what's happened. They're going to get the ballot language out to us soon, and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a bombardment of ads. Yes, no, whatever. Uh, they'll get the word on the streets and try to get people. You know, ready to go out there and vote on this thing. And listen, I'm going to tell you this. I say this all the time. I don't care what side of anything you're on. There are lots of places in the world where you don't get a chance to vote on stuff like this. Don't, like, not vote if you're a Jackson County and, and then bitch about it. You go vote. That's, that, that's an important thing. Sorry, yeah. off my soapbox. I'm off my soapbox now. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, when do you think we get, uh, last thing, when do you think we get location? When do you think we get photos, pictures, uh, you know, tangible plans as to what it is people are going to be voting on? I think I would hope, you know, that would be a really nice thing to, like, do around spring training. Let, let's, let's, let's say we get it by uh, full squad report. That would be a great way to get that done. Um, but I would not hold my breath. Maybe we were going to tell us their preferred location at the end of the summer. Uh, that was 2023. It's not 2024, guys. Snow's on the ground. You know, it's not. <laughs> they've been way behind on all this stuff. So whatever they say, add add two weeks to it. Yeah, that's what it kind of looks like. Is uh, you know, but they, they the, they're going to vote on April second. So there's a hard deadline now. Oh yeah, they better get it out. And, and listen, I, I said I talked to a Royals official down there, and they, their plan is to have it out well before that. They they don't want to. Uh, just tell people the day before the election where it's going to be. They want, they want, I mean, they want to give you some good pictures and stuff and get people excited about it. You know, I mean, I, I think it's in their best interest to tell people where it is and how cool it's going to be and all that. It, it absolutely is. But if, if they don't get it done, then that's shame on them. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Uh, great stuff, Todd. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, we will uh, see you in here in the uh, office uh, tomorrow. 
Yeah, I, uh, I resolved to go to more legislature meetings. I'm sure there'll be more as this moves along. So. Yeah, yeah. I hope it never ends. Legal insider Todd Lebo joining us here in the program. Thank you, Todd. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Right. There it is, Todd Lebo, uh, noted shock jock slash legal insider. Political insider Todd Lebo. Uh, he does it all. A man of many talents. Uh, we will take a break, uh, come back, uh, talk some uh, Kansas City Chiefs football. Uh, we'll also uh, got Trent Green coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. You're in the program. Almost gave the answer again. We've already done that. <laughs> I realized that. That's You'll listen to the program on Sports Radio 810 WHB, your home of the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game. It's what we do here as the home of the National Football League. Uh, Petro Seabolt, uh, Dravetta with you. Um, I, I, listen, Todd Lebo just joined us uh, with the vote that uh, it is going to get to the ballot, uh, but I still don't get no roof. Yeah. It's I mean, I, I don't even. Things where... I don't even like it on the baseball stadium, but I can tolerate it a little bit more on the baseball stadium. Yeah, but I don't get it because the dome can be used for a uh, football, retractable roof football stadium can be used for so many things that it just makes no sense to me. It's very self-serving. In and considering how much of this is centered around a CBA, which in this context is a community benefits arrangement, I believe, or agreement. Mm -hmm. But regardless, it's the the benefits that, beyond just having sports teams, how does the community benefit? You can add, I mean, more events is more beneficial, right? Yeah. And a roof means more events. I I don't see how this... And if someone were to say to the Chiefs in that regard... um... I thought you do you not care about the, the community in that regard. Sure, we do. Well, how come we didn't do this? There's now a question that can be legitimately answered of their citizens, their taxpayers, their fans. Well, you had an opportunity to help us out, other than yourselves, to help out the community in in, in that regard, and, and you chose not to because it would cost more money. Now, let's be clear. One of the things that was said was that there's no, they're not legally bound to this. Right. So they're just voting to go ahead and say, yeah, whatever you want to build will extend the sales tax mm-hmm. for you for 40 years. Yeah. And so I suppose down the road, if they you know, decide, ah, we're going to change what we're going to build, the amount of money they're going to get from the county is yeah. the amount of money they're going to get. What they build with it is up to them. How much state money are they going to get? How much, you know, city money are they going to get? There'll be infrastructure changes that need mm-hmm. uh, to be figured out, but it, it could still you know, I guess technically be there, but it sure as hell doesn't sound like that's the direction they want to go. No. No, I, and I don't know what what would change, what would push them in that regard because if they were capable of being pushed that way, wouldn't they've already been I mean, who's going to exert that pressure on them and if they had any intentions of going that way, wouldn't they have done it already? Yeah, yeah, you, you'd think that that would be uh, part of the sales pitch that would have been there, but uh, not right now. Uh, that's not what we're talking about right now. And so. that'd be a damn good sales pitch. Hey, I mean, they, they have a lot easier. The fact that they're the Chiefs is a pretty big selling point already, but you could add on top of it. It's a good thing they're really good. If this is a 4-13 team routinely, yeah. a little tougher sell. You might yeah. need that roof. No, and I, and I think that's, that's I think that the success of the Chiefs is going to carry the vote. Well, let's give the Chiefs what they want. And I think probably most people, I like Arrowhead, I like outdoor football, yeah. I think is where most people's heart is. So I think it's, in some ways, it's the path of least resistance. 
Yeah. I don't think it's the path to what's best for the city. Nope. So, Could there be a better situation than a third parade, back-to-back parades, <laughs> and then two months later, hey, it could not be any better. Yeah. Uh, now all the a parade and then an announcement at spring training that Bobby Wood Jr. has been locked up <laughs> to a long contract, and then it's, you know, cruise right into uh, passing the vote. Uh, all right. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll give you the things you need to know here from Andy Reid, Trent Green, next hour as well. All right, Travis Kelsey had his 16th postseason game with at least 60 yards from scrimmage. Only two players have more. Name either one. Brought to you by Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. 